and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and all our Harlem family, welcome, welcome to your very own podcast. everyone welcome back once again Yo. we out here welcome back to another episode of your favorite bi-monthly broadcast harlem's very own i am of course your illustrious co-host justin k winley aka no more mr nice negro aka king latifa aka j-dub joined by my boy i'm in shock <laughs> no wait 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 wait, wait. king latifa <laughs> that is just a tribute to mm. um queen latifah who shows up in the movie we're talking about today <laughs> okay okay all right okay yo what's up it's jude aka magni gross aka i'd be smoking cbd aka marissa Steffa's best boy and uh real quick um it is my mother's birthday who is unfortunately recently passed away on april 12th and it's also her, obviously, her twin sister Michelle's birthday. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, Mom, Michelle, I love you both very much. Uh, I miss you, Mom, dearly. Te voy ben I love you so much. I miss you. And I hope I make you proud every single day I'm here on this earth. And thanks for being the greatest mom in the world. And I am quite literally the luckiest kid on the planet to have had you for a mother. I know you probably don't hear this right now, but... <laughs> I had to put it out there. Love you, mom. Amen, brother. Rest in peace to Marissa Christina Steffers. I, you know, I think, did she come to the dojo? Did I, I think I met, I remember meeting her maybe like briefly, one time. Briefly, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wish I'd gotten to, you know, to meet her a little more, but I, she raised a great young man, you know, my, my fabulous co-host here, Jude. And um, I, I do strongly believe that uh, you made her proud and will continue to. Um, so we dedicate this episode to her. And um, Interesting enough, <laughs> it's Juice. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, so today we're talking about Juice, another hood classic that I missed out on. Um, and before we get into anything else, I just got to say, um, there's an apology I have to make because last week I had some fire for somebody uh, toward the end of the episode. Omar Epps, I got to give you your flowers, bro. I um, yeah. I kind of came for you pretty heavy because of your uh, because of uh, that Netflix movie you were in with Nia Long. He needed a check. We all need a he check. Needed, he needed a check. I said some things, you know, in the heat of the moment. I should I regret them now. Um, but you know, Omar, you're great. He's great in this movie. Um, I think it was one of his first big roles, and he really does a, a stellar job with it. Um, Juice came out in 1991. 1990, yeah. yeah, 1992, actually, 1992. And it was when Tupac was recording his first album, Tupacalypse Now. Yes. Which was also yeah. interesting. And that's, to me, kind of crazy because Tupac's not even a star yet. He's not even that big. He's not just yet. working with Digital Underground at the time, doing the Humpty Dance. And he's just being a roadie. And then he gets his movie, gets his deal with Interscope. And then after that, he's just 
sent off to the stratosphere. I don't know what made him more famous was either his rap career or the movie at that time. That's just mm. something I wonder. What yeah, really it's interesting when I was when I was looking into some of the behind the scenes stuff that we'll that we'll get into for the second segment. But they were talking about like um, there was a lot of stuff about how he was working on that album during this production. He'd be writing lyrics in his notebook and whatnot, um, and then he released it. I think on the same day that this movie came out. Um, or in the uh, same weekend or something. So it, he was like, let me just capitalize and you know, get all yeah. the rep I can, which is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he does a good job in this. What, what was your first experience with Juice? How long has it been since you saw it last? And Oh, it's been like a couple of years since I saw it last. Mm-hmm. I probably like saw it last on like Netflix or whatever. I just watched it this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time I saw Juice, I must have been like 14 or 15. Because mm-hmm. I saw all those hood movies around the same time when I was being homeschooled because, you know, I didn't have shit gotcha. else to do. <laughs> but um, I remember getting really into Tupac at that time. And when I finally saw Juice, I thought it was like one of the greatest things in the world because Tupac was such a good actor in the movie. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was great. You know, it was just a nice, digestible, but heavy movie to see. And yeah. There's, it's got you know, a lot to say. There's a lot to say, and there's a lot of layers to it. And the older I get, and the more studying I've done in school, the the more complicated the movie is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem as simple as just like friends turning on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something deeper to it. There's um, emotional issues that need to be talked about. There's uh, societal issues that need to talk about. There's community stuff that needs to be talked about within the movie and the way we approach things with, you know, amongst our friends. It's not just a peer pressure movie. There's something, something else to it that um, I think we can get into. Yeah. So I I think (laughs) I'm starting to get like goosebumps because I'm excited Uh, (laughs) because I I really enjoyed this movie and um, uh, it was my first time seeing it. Obviously Um, there was some stuff that I, uh, that I missed um, while I was while I was watching the first time that then I picked up on later when I was watching behind the scenes stuff. But, um, you know, usually when I'm watching older movies like this, my uh, I'm, I'm looking for a few different things. I mean, culturally, I'm looking for like where where kind of where we were at, you know, as a society. So, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, during that time, um, I mean, and, and what the how the uh, what issues were relevant enough to be like, you know, uh, portrayed in a certain way um and i look at certain things that might be a little dated about it you know mm-hmm. i mean like the movie holds up for the most part there is um uh, a trans joke that's that gets made early on oh, yeah when, uh, he was talking about that girl that he got with and that then he didn't like, get you know, with man just lying yeah, his asshole. <laughs> yeah yeah and then they're like you know she used to be a he is the whole joke they make um and that you know does that doesn't age too well but um other than that, it's pretty. It stays pretty. Uh, uh, I think topical, which is sad, because obviously it's a tragedy, and the things that it has to talk about are are, mm-hmm. are unpleasant. Um, but at its core, it's it's really about these four friends, and I think what the major, um, one of the major things I picked up on as far as uh, a, a driving theme was aspiration versus versus ambition. Um, because you have, I think you can look at that most clearly between Q and Bishop, um, mm-hmm. because Q has a specific aspiration. 
he yeah. is goal oriented on becoming a DJ. Um, yeah. And that is what drives him to want to avoid, first of all, the criminal lifestyle, but also like make it out of the hood, whatever. Whereas Bishop is just kind of driven by insecurity and some other things we'll get into, but yeah. just the general ambition to be, to get power, to get, you know, uh, recognition and all of that without any, that, yeah. you know, without any sort of specific like goal. He just wants to, he wants to have the juice, which is, you know, this respect, this street rep that you usually only get by hurting somebody or multiple yeah. people, which he obviously does. Um, so we start by meeting um, the crew. Uh, Q is the first character we're introduced to. That's Omar Epps in the movie. Yes, um, and we learn that he's very into music right off the bat because he's listening to a record as he sleeps and that his mother comes and scratches the record, mm -hmm. probably ruins it, um, <laughs> which isn't cool. But uh, then we go it's around. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a montage. We meet Steel, played by Jermaine Huggy Hopkins. Uh, Bishop, uh, played, of course, by Tupac. And Raheem, played by Khalil Kane. Mm -hmm. um, fun little game. Who do you think out of these four, unless you already know, who do you think was the was the oldest uh Khalil Kane. yeah he was 26 while they were shooting this that's Baby crazy face. damn <laughs> 26 years old tupac was 20 and um epps and hopkins were tied at 17 but they all look oh shit young yeah uh, epps was 17 he was only 17. Yeah, he was 18. When so, the he was getting, so he was getting with that um, doctor or nurse. 26 year old. Yeah. Um, Yolanda Smooth. played by <laughs> my guy. Cindy Heron, who is the co-founder of En Vogue. Um, oh, word? That's popular, what she did? Yeah. Popular R&B group from the day. Um, Damn, do you listen to En Vogue? Huh? Have you listened to En Vogue? Not too much, no. Mm, damn, I haven't either. And there were mad like cameos from people like... Uh, there was Flex Anderson, who was a crappy DJ that went before Epps. Hmm. There was Red Alert in the crowd. In the Rodimez gang, there's Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Mm -hmm. And um, damn, obviously Queen Latifah, but that's not even a cameo. She's Queen fucking Latifah. She has a role, role yeah. <laughs> and uh, damn, who else? They Samuel have um, Jackson. Sam Jackson. Also, Sam Jackson's wife plays Steele's mother. Latanya oh. Richardson. It's weird though because Latanya Richardson, and maybe she has more of a theater career, but I feel like her, like, she's never been like as big as Sam Jackson has gotten. Maybe they just do different kinds of work, but like, even mm -hmm. when they're in the same movies, it's like you remember Sam Jackson, but you don't really remember Latanya Richardson if you even know about her. So yeah, he's in there. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Trench as well as um, Phase on Love. Both of them had auditioned for Bishop. And they both, uh, and and Tupac showed up with Trent with Treach, I think rather not Trench, uh, Treach Trench. to, like oh. oh, got you, got you. Um, <laughs> I thought it was Treach, like Treach. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Trench. He showed up with him to the audition, and he was given the opportunity to prepare and read for Bishop, and they were like, "Yeah, he's the one." So then they gave Trench a role as one of Rodimus's um, goons, and Phase on Love is Yo, like a student. That must have. Probably sucked. That I probably didn't feel that, too great. That must have sucked, <laughs> man. That was terrible. Oh, no. Nah. And then also Donald Faison, dude from Scrubs. Oh, Scrubs. I also Black dude from watched. Scrubs. Okay. Oh, nah, he's hey, in that? Yeah, I haven't watched that. Yeah, he's in that. He's in... Um. So right before that famous scene of Tupac and Omar Epps have that standoff in the locker room, mm -hmm. 
um, he comes in with the fade, and Omar Epps has been in school for Mad Long, and he was talking to the smack and bounce. It was just a quick thing, but you look oh, at it, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to go back then, yeah, and look at that, because that dude, I think, did look familiar to me. Um, but yeah, this is the crew. They don't really have a name. They're not like the Cash Money Brothers. Um, yeah. You know, they're just they're just a, they're just a group of friends. Um, but these these this opening montage is actually super important because it lays the groundwork for what each of their family lives is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually, and I missed this the first time going around, but um, there's I think it it comes out when we're walking when we're with Bishop. He's walking through the street and he runs into Radames, who's this Puerto Rican. Uh, gang leader who's like a rival um, and he just kind of harasses uh, mostly Bishop during yeah. the movie. Um, you know, uh, Bishop uses a Spanish slur and then um, Radames comes back comes back at him and says something. I think this is where he talks about his father and yeah. there's some implication that his dad who we meet, who's sitting like shell-shocked in the living room watching TV was mm-hmm. abused in prison. I think that's what it's supposed to yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. And at the, um, I was watching. Did you see that behind the scenes thing of the alternate ending? Yeah, I want to. I want to save that. I want to save that. Yeah, because I. That? Ah, yeah, cool. I want to get into that. But I think once we get there, like as in the recap, we can talk about that because I do. I think I know what you're about to say, and I think I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we're getting glimpses into their different family lives, um, and I don't know how you feel, but I think that they were trying to set up that like steel and this this develops more into the movie i think he has the most full family life in a um way. yeah you don't see epps's pops or whatever you see right. um you see q's epps you see his mother coming mm-hmm. into the room storming in on him you see his little brother later in the movie right and then with raheem you see his sister and his mother you know but steel is the one with you know, the mother, the father, the younger right. brother. Um, and he's just, plastic you know. Plastic furniture and everything. Yeah, <laughs> the, the plastic, plastic furniture. furniture. <laughs> For real, you know. So, you know, I think with him, with Steel, he, I don't know what he's, I mean, he's just hanging out with his boys. But he has a solid family structure, which yeah. makes him weaker compared to some of the other guys. Sense. Yeah, and he um he kind of is the I mean he's mostly used as the comic relief, but then he also is because of that he's the most sympathetic character. Yeah. Um and the, the one getting rags on the most, most is the fat one. Yeah, exactly. Um which carries over into the act of the real life relationships uh, yeah. apparently. Um but we meet some we get to know uh the life of these these kids. Um mm-hmm. we see that Rahim has like a newborn son like a probably less than a year old. Yeah. Um and uh, he has he gets into an argument with his baby mother out on the street, um, which is wild to me because like there's always you know he wants to be the dad, but she's not even letting him be the pops. I don't see that mm-hmm. often. And actually, no, I lie. I absolutely do lie. I do see that sometimes, but mm-hmm. I don't get the point. Yeah, you're both in high school. Both of y'all are broke. Why are you just ragging on? Raheem just wanting to spend some time with his kid or do whatever with yeah. his kid. Like, is it just like, you know, the guy wants to look like the babysitter or, you know, like, <laughs> I, I think I know what you mean, time? though. I think I know what you mean in that, like, when it comes to media, 
usually you get like the deadbeat dad trope, right? So it's yeah. like you'll see the baby mama running up on him and being like, you know, you've been missing all your payments or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, I need you to be in this kid's life. And he's like, man, get out my face. Da-da. That's not really the case here. But there's just animosity between them, which I think is is still realistic. Like I, I, not I totally think realistic. that, um, yeah, there there aren't black and white situations like that in the hood all the time. You you will get, um, because it's complicated. Like you may want to be in this kid's life, but also recognize that you you know don't. Um, You're 17 years you old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't make you like a bad guy per se. No. Um, makes you a little stupid, but you know, not bad. Everything that happens in this movie is kind of stupid in the beginning. Like <laughs> the situations these things get themselves into. I'm like, yo, why y'all wild yeah. like this? I and I, I started to think like, um, I think as far as group dynamics, and you can let me know what you thought about it as you as you watched, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, it it seemed like Raheem was kind of supposed to be the leader. Yeah, like, no, totally. Yeah, and yeah. then. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, Bishop is sort of, like, the second in command, but he's also just so rowdy that, like, everyone has to kind of it's like deal with in, It's like in Shakespeare. I haven't watched much Shakespeare in my life, but from what I can tell, there's, like, the head guy and then the gel- – it's like in Lion King or whatever, you know? Hmm. The one under him right, right, right. Jealous, that wants yeah. that top spot. Right. That's what it kind of reminded me of those traditional things but the one who's an actual leader is just kind of you know i'm doing my thing leading his own path not leading the crew yeah i think and then we have the jester um yeah of course we have the jester who is who's steel but then we have Mm -hmm. q who is who's i mean he's the first character we meet i think on purpose because obviously he's the Mm -hmm. one that like is supposed to be our our proxy within the movie was supposed to, I think, identify with him the with him the most, even yeah, if no, we I feel do. worse for other characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that he's definitely supposed to be the leader, but it's interesting because we don't really see him. We don't really see his influence outside of the group no. that would make Bishop envious of him. No. Um, it's just like he, like he has he holds weight within the group, but like, he's not, he's not like known on the street or anything. Cause he's not a no. gangster really like that. No, um, none of them are. Right. Exactly. Except the Bishop wants to be. And there's uh that's, so that's part yeah. of the, the thrust of the movie. I remember um, there's a point, obviously we get to the point where uh, Q walks into this bar and he runs into an old friend. Um, oh, blizzard. You know, lean, yeah, leaning up on the wall, and he's like trying to talk to him about whatever. And he's like, "Oh yeah, man, that's cool." Uh, pardon me for a second. I'm about to rob this joint, and he pulls a shotgun out of his duster. And I was like, "Oh, what a polite thug." <laughs> I appreciate. It. Thanks for letting me know. Um, but yeah, he. That's when he's like, "You want in on this?" And and Q was like, "No, I'm I'm good," which is obviously a key moment because this is mm-hmm. the movie showing us that Q isn't really about that thug life. Um, <laughs> but then he comes out. And he sees the rest of the gang. He's like, yo, like, you said his name was Blizzard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yo, Blizzard's in there. He's like, you know, he's turning the the joint out or whatever. And and uh, Tupac is like, well, let's go in there. You know, let's let's get in on the action. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know? And this is sort of the beginnings of some of Bishop's, um, his ambition. And you see it, like, pe- peeking out in his sort of anger and frustration. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I think, is when we meet Q 
goes to uh, his girlfriend's house. Now, this is weird. This dude that opens the door, I guess that's supposed to be her husband. Ex-husband. The thing I noticed about the movie, it's not that deep because it's so brief, but I thought it was an interesting display of like classism within the black community because he was calling him like a chain snatcher. Yeah, he made fun of his name. Mm-hmm. Q, what is Q, you know, and pronounced it Quincy, the actual name, even though he prefers it the other way. Well, there's no fucking problem with the name Quincy or whatever. But that's <laughs> besides the point. But I just thought that was an interesting take because there's like no white characters in the movie at all, except the cops running after them. Right. But, you know, the whole idea of classism within the black community, because this dude looks like a yuppie, you know. And Q yeah. was just an average kid from the hood, you know, and how, you know, even that animosity with that with with Q, it was shown in the movie. And I thought it was like, oh, shit, they're kind of showing classism. Like, even when you're black and you make it, you can still be an asshole. Def- definitely. There's also um, you could tie that into if you wanted, you could probably tie it into the colorism of it. Omar Epps being oh, yeah. darker. Then, yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank was a light dude, and Yolanda, light, bright, two shades of bone, being yeah. white. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's yeah, the, it's a, it's the only scene in the movie that confused me a little bit as much as as far as like, okay, who am I? Who is this? You know, I was like, is this like her? Is this supposed to be her father or what? Uh, but it's her ex husband, and she's just she's immediate. She's kicking him out now, and he's like, they, I guess they just finalized the divorce, and she's or maybe he came by to pick up some stuff. You know, and then no cell phones. Like, yo, my ex man's here. You know, right? She right. Page nigga, gonna do nothing. You know, he's just right there. Right. Boom, boom, boom. And was having um, the boost of the older shorty, and I applaud you, my brother. <laughs> It was also an interesting choice um, that she was like, well, I don't know. I mean, 90s movies might have been doing this a lot, but she wasn't like perfectly done up. I mean, she still looked like a like an R&B superstar, but like she was sweaty. Yeah. She had just finished working out, um, you know, and I guess that was the regular girl thing. Yeah, yeah. They tried to make it more realistic. They don't explicitly mm-hmm. say that she's older. Like they don't, I guess, point. I don't know if there's a point where like someone says like, "Oh, you messing with someone older," um, but you can assume, I guess, if she's married and has a whole apartment, then she's probably not his age per se. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they they spend the night together, um, and then Q is also gearing up for this DJ contest mm-hmm. audition thing. Um, so that happens. There's a point where they're all at. Uh, Steele's house together, and I think this is where we get the first argument between Q and Bishop between the group. Yeah, yeah. I think this is it because they're watching this movie. So of course, I, w- like just a pro tip for the listeners: whenever some, whenever a movie character is watching a movie in the movie, it's important. That's that's on purpose. They don't just Why have that? something on, just because it usually is the director's way or the writer's way or whoever made the decision of either foreshadowing the end of the movie paying homage to an influence or like mm-hmm. making a statement. Right. So this movie, I had just to like look it Scarface, up. It's called, just like in Scarface, just like in New Jack city with Scarface with Scarface. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this movie does something similar and there's a lot of, uh, new Jack influence on this, obviously, um, both in, I think that that works both like from how the film is made and also within the movie, you could almost imagine that these kids had seen 
New Jack City. If it came out as a movie, like in yeah, in the world the of use, like yeah, you can imagine Maybe that they did. might have seen that. It's like yeah, the smaller New Jack City. Like if the Cash Money Brothers all were just hanging out, starting their empire, it could have been exactly. that little crew. Exactly. So, um, so, but they're watching a movie called White Heat. Uh, that came out in 1949, starring James Cagney. It's uh, apparently widely acclaimed as one of the the greatest gangster movies of all time, and mm-hmm. it's been quoted in a bunch in this movie called. Uh, there's a movie called Ricochet with Denzel Washington that ends yeah. with the same quote, uh, "Top of the world, ma." Um, yeah. It's quoted in Cheers and it's quoted in Breaking Bad, uh, and the main character played by James Cagney plays a similar sort of like he has a similar sort of um, archetype. Uh, archetype yes thank you as bishop you know and kind of falls to his own um hubris yeah yeah uh so so they're watching that and bishop is super into it it's like his you know his favorite movie or whatever so that tells you off rip that like okay this is the character yeah (laughs) um and then they start talking is this where they start talking about the robbery yeah i'm forgetting what comes on tv you know it it you know interrupts the movie like we interrupt this this film with a broadcast of a robbery da 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 and Blizzard mm. shows up. Yes, that's right. Blizzard ends up dead because he was going to shoot out with the cops. And yeah. Bishop is like, yo, we should have been there, riding out for him. Right. You know, and then that's when like Q that. was like, if we'd been there, it would have been five dead niggas instead of one or something like that. Which is fucking true because these yeah. had no weapons at the time. Yeah. What exactly. are they going to do? Throw bottles at the cops? <laughs> Pick up a brick and launch it? I'll throw Wait, a bullet at you. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, um, it wouldn't have been a good idea. And so Q was trying to speak sense into him. And then Bishop is like, nah, man, you weak, like whatever, you soft. And then, you know, they get into a a shove fest. They knock over some of Steel's family, China. Steel gets upset. Everyone's yelling at each other. Steel's disgusting. Steel's disgusting. My son was cooking with a 40 ounce. How the fuck do you use 40 ounces as cooking oil? Is that what that was? That was a 40 ounce, bro. And you drank from the bottle. He drank the food, like, hold it up and drink it again. You double dip it in the fucking pan, my nigga? Like, <laughs> are we serious? It's definitely, it's definitely not COVID I need, behavior. I need to know how many <laughs> niggas did that after they saw that movie. Oh, I'm sure plenty did. They were like, yo. And, and then if that's the case, who would want... I thought it was like... I didn't know what it was. I thought it was maybe like orange soda or something. And even no, then, that's, that's dumb. No, that's a 40 ounce. It, I so could you're gonna t- have weedy ass eggs and salami. Yeah, are, that's are we gross. Serious? Why would you put that? In? Oh god, I'm and you, nauseous. And you fed it to your friends. Of course, they were like, 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 people can say like, "Yo, they're being rude or for like not taking food that their friend cooked for them." But is that you know edible, my nigga? Like, is it safe <laughs> to eat? <laughs> is it hygienic? <laughs> not for real. Like, surprise, no, none of them died after that. So Steel tries to poison his friends. Uh, and in, in 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 response, they break his china. Uh, no, but um, then Rahim gets in the middle and he's like, you know, come on, y'all, come on, man, y'all are like brothers. You know, we are we are brothers. And then Q was like, no, nah, we used to be brothers. Um, but you know, you're basically like Bishop. You're turning into someone I don't recognize, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so after that. Uh, Q makes his way to the audition, right? Unless I'm missing anything. Um, this is where we. What were you gonna say? No, no, no. We're, we're like out of order, just a little bit. Like, oh. it don't matter. Like, okay. If y'all haven't seen this fucking movie by now, <laughs> like this Negro over here, 
I mean, what I should do, like, it's I have the I have the plot summary up in one tab, so I should kind of try to follow that. Um, he goes to uh, Q makes goes to the you know he he practices he makes his like audition tape yeah. type thing, and then he goes to uh, the audition, and this is where we meet Queen Latifah playing some character, but I'm just gonna call her Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah is one of the greatest actresses of all time. She may as well be playing herself, and yeah, she's a fantastic performer. I saw her name in the credits, and I got instantly excited. Um, mm. She's playing like the the you know she's running the auditions. Yeah. She clowns some dude uh, who goes right before. Flex Anderson. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh, that's Flex Anderson. That's Flex Anderson. Okay, he even says his you. name. I'm Flex. I'm like, bro, you couldn't get an extra name for the movie, bro. You <laughs> name. She kicks him out basically. She says his stuff is trash. Q gets in. He's pretty good, so he gets to go to the competition. It's kind of like American Idol. It's like before you get to the real, before you even make it to like the auditions, you have to pre-audition. Yeah, it's in <laughs> that like dungeon-looking studio. Right. Yeah, it was like a. It was like yeah. It was a weird room that she had them all in but um he gets it this is uh and this is past the point because there's been a uh, a cop chase there's this like pool hall that the boys mm-hmm. go to frequently um Jackson which is run by Sam Jackson. yeah yeah i was just about to, <laughs> i was just about to mention that sam jackson is a very viable scumbag because uh he's the guy he plays i think trip is his name or something like that who runs One the pool hall it's just general um, jackson at this and, point it's like, yo sam yeah and um uh when q is coming away from the audition there's you see sam jackson talking to some clearly 15 16 year old girl um yeah just really (laughs) reprehensible behavior um Mm -hmm. and uh but he the q interrupts him and he's like you know tells him about like uh the the audition um and and stuff like that then at the basketball court talk to his boys about the upcoming events on Saturday night yes. where they do the robbery at Quiles, I want to say his name correctly. Yeah. But the Puerto Rican. I forgot um, how they say it, but yeah, the store owner. Rodimus is, is bullying, I guess we'll just say, uh, Bishop at the beginning of the movie. Um, they're right outside this dude's store and he comes out with mm-hmm. his with the gap. Um, and, you know, basically like he shoes them off his property. Uh, and yeah. you know, Bishop has like a grudge. He's like, and that's the other thing he brings up in the argument. He's like, we're always running. We run from Radames. We run from the cops. We run from Mister, you know, Mister Kiyes in the uh, in the in the at the store. You know, we never stand up and do anything. Um, stand up and do and what? Right. <laughs> um, but they decide to rob, and I don't even know if there's a motive for this or if they just want to do it to do it. Um, it's to get the the street cred, to get the respect, which makes no fucking sense because. We would all like to not be known for robbing a store that we yeah, all locally, that we all frequent. Yeah. You know, the logic of this, but it's to move the plot along. It's to, I don't know, maybe, you know, doing that will give them, like, yo, we did some gangster shit and they can puff their chest right. out, like, yo, you can't fuck with us. Maybe it's not the fact that the whole block will know that they do it, but they know they did it and they that know. will like increase their self-esteem in some way. Sure, that might be yeah. the thought process they're trying to get. And they get like, what, like 20 measly dollars after the robbery. Right. It's not even, it's not even that much. So, you know, yeah, it's supposed to go down on Saturday, but Q is like, well, that's when my, um, that's when my performance is. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can like leave and come back. Like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, like, I'll just do it real quick and come back. Yeah. 
Uh, so he's like, okay, they eventually convince him. He does his set. He does well against whoever he's going to. The DJing in this scene is not great, but I guess I it like, because no it, me. it didn't mean either. It's like, how are you just scratching all over the yeah, place? I don't see how everyone's dancing the skill. to this. I, yeah, I, cause usually when I think of a DJ battle, it's like, okay, someone starts playing a song, maybe they remix it on the spot and then mm-hmm. you have to fuse your set into what they're doing without disturbing the crowd. So it's like, you have to, you have to take over, take what they're doing and then like mix it into what you're about to do so that it keeps the rhythm going and the yeah. crowd doesn't go like, Hey man, cause this is just for over and over. And that's, I don't know. That's just like how fast your fingers can move. So that's not really that. And also like the setup just seems a little unrealistic. It's no <laughs> knock in the movie. It's 1991. Right, wow. Right, shit right. was happening. You know what I'm saying? And let it let us also say that Omar Epps did legitimately, allegedly learn some spinning for this movie. Yeah, for him. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's he's a great actor. You know, I like I like it when an actor just immerses himself into a role, learns some shit. Yeah. You know, Michael B. Jordan learned how to box. He yeah. can't fight Roy Jones Jr., but <laughs> he learned. <laughs> Back in the day. You know, it was really who had the better setup and who could be heard the most is who won the battle. Right. But they had two um, turntable, two sets of turntables on either side, and I'm like, "Yo, DJs had to bring their own equipment, bring their own records, bring their own everything." So mm-hmm. the fact that they had this whole shit set up, just you know, anyone can just go on to it. Yeah, is a little off of it. And I was born; we were born in '98. We don't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but it did it did kind of make me want to rewatch the get down yeah that was good kind of yeah that was a cool show i'm sad that, that was, it got canceled i'm so sad that yeah i'm so sad it got canceled i wish it went on to like the 80s and then the 90s just so you can see yeah. them grow into each getting you know, involved in hip-hop yeah yeah um ah oh well so uh he wins that part of the performance and then his boys are there and they're like you know it's time um and they go, they put on their masks, they run into the store. Um, you know, Bishop is holding a gun on on the store owner. He's like, you know, turn around, don't talk, don't look at me, whatever, da-da-da-da. He's like, please don't kill me. They take, again, like Jude said, like 20 bucks out of the register. If that, like, it's all, It looks like it's all crumpled singles. Yeah. Um, and then they're on their way out, and Bishop just freaks and decides to shoot Mr. Q in the head. Why do you do that? I think he I think it was him. Well, so this is the thing. I feel like the movie is trying to. The movie is saying, I think that Bishop is a sociopath, like without saying it, I think that that's kind of what they're so it's hit and and they get into that more after what happens a little bit. But I think that like when he gets when he feels slighted by someone, especially and even if it was something over, uh, even, even if it was over something small, um. He can't let it, he can't rest until it's like resolved. And so, yeah. you know, the store owner pulled a gun on him and he had to run away. Now he has the gun, he has the power. And, you know, maybe he was legitimately afraid that like he was going to, they were going to get caught. Part of mm-hmm. him was, but then also there was the thrill of, of that control. So he shot him. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know what you think. I, I, I'd agree with that because I really mm-hmm. didn't know why he sh- shot him because he's turned over. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can hear the voice or I think I he remember does. recalling someone said someone's name, maybe Steele mm-hmm. said Bishop or Steele said Q or yeah. someone said something. 
so someone said one of their names, and I don't really think that really could have made that much of a difference. I mean, yes, he can right. go to the cops or whatever, you know, and they, the boys can deny because they have that alibi just in case if anything were to happen, you know. Right. We were. It's, the- it's not like you know they're criminal masterminds, but the yeah. way we saw Bishop lie to the cops afterwards, they were right. fine. Oh, you know? and right. So yeah, so they 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 he shoots Mr. Q. They run out of the store, down the block. They find some abandoned warehouse. They're freaking out. Rahim is like, "Why would you shoot him? You didn't have to do that." Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop is like, "Because you know, Steele said your name. Like he heard, he knew who we were. I had to do it." Um, and then he's like, "Yo, give me the gun." But then Bishop has another gun on him uh, that he points at Rahim. Rahim's like, "You gonna shoot me, bro? Like that's crazy." They get into a fight, yeah. and then. Bishop shoots Raheem point blank in the chest, uh, yeah. drops him. And I, I was like, what? Like, I, I didn't know. I've managed to avoid spoilers about this movie for the most part. So I was mm-hmm. like, for real? Like, and, and my mom, who watched this one with me as well, she was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, he did you, just do that. She saw it before too? Yeah, but not for a while. She hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, he shoots Raheem. He kills him. Um, and, you know, Obviously, that's traumatic for everybody involved. Uh, yeah, Steel starts Bishop, crying. Yeah, Bishop forces them out of the warehouse again into some other place. They go running from the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where we get the scene where Bishop is like, you know, if I go down, you, y'all go down. Yeah. Um, and just immediately, no, with nothing, he steal, He takes the money from Raheem. Oh, yeah, Raheem, from Raheem's body. He grabs his arm yeah. and looks at him. It's like the last thing the, the boy does. Yeah. And I was like, yo. That's that chilling. Was, that was terrifying. And Khalil Kane is an amazing actor for that scene because that look on his face, yeah. the like pain he's physically in, uh, the pain that his friend shot him, the him knowing that he's gonna die, and him also going like, yo, are you you really just shot me and you're digging into my pockets right now? This is what right. matters to you right now. Yeah. He didn't even he didn't even take a second to fully realize what he did. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we definitely get to see Steele feel that. Um, but I think maybe they wanted they wanted Q to play more shock because he doesn't ever, he doesn't fully get to emote over Raheem's death, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, they wanted him, I think, to play more like, I can't believe this is happening, whereas Steele is basically sobbing. Um yeah. there's a nice moment just from a filmmaking and acting perspective. I don't know where you know, who made the decision, writer, actor, director, or all three. But when um, uh, Bishop is standing next to Steele and he wipes his hand off on on Steele's, like, sweater, which was kind of a, was the symbolic way of him, like, transferring his guilt. You know what I mean? Like, if there's blood on my hands, it's on you, too. It was just oh, a small thing. That. That's cool. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of dope. Um, this the is, you know, this I. is. <laughs> this is a scene where, um, uh, you know, Q feels like he wants to do something. He wants to stand up to him, but he's like, I'm not going to get shot or risk getting shot. Yeah. Um, so then the, do the cops, yeah, the cops, they go back to the performance. Q is like, he's in a daze and you, you get the feeling that he's not going to be able too. to, yeah, he's not going to be able to go on with his performance. Um, but then the cops come and arrest everybody. Yeah, they end it. Um, 
and this is where we get into the interrogation scene. Now, I don't know, just as a side note, I don't know if you've seen When They See Us about the Central Park Five. Or the can't Exonic watch that movie. Five. Can't watch that shit. Yeah. Understandable. Um, there's a, obviously this movie came out way before that. That actually happened. Did. Yeah. And uh, yes. And before that actually happened, but there's um, an interrogation sequence in the beginning of the series um, mm-hmm. with the, with the four boys and the way that this one was shot with Raheem Q, I mean, uh, with uh, Steel Q and Bishop, mm-hmm. it felt like they, uh, the, when they see us kind of um, interpolated that and kind of, referenced it a lot with just like how they the cops were playing the friends off of each other and yeah. being like well he said this and you know mm-hmm. you're not in trouble if you're not if you're not guilty you don't have anything to worry about type of thing but with bishop thing, like well, you said cops really lying. yeah and you can ask your pops about that maybe because i think that's what a lot of that's like standard procedure especially during that time mm-hmm. you know a group of friends may or may not have committed a crime but no matter what, to get, you know, their guy or to get, mm-hmm. you know, their, um, those collars, you know, they'll do whatever it takes and shake those kids down. But I think, you know, in that movie with um, Steel, Q, and Bishop, Steel is broken immediately. Yeah. He's broken before the interrogation even started, you know? And yeah, they were shaking exactly. the kid down. And they were physically ODing on on steel because they know how weak he was yeah you know but bishop he's cool he may, as well be, he may as well have sparked a joint with them like he's sitting Word. In there. like they were just good old pals i was like damn <laughs> like but even before that actually it's crazy i forgot how could i forget this what's up? it's when the cops show up to arrest um everybody he's like bro we gotta go somebody shot raheem and he looks in q's face and says somebody shot raheem and you're like oh you're okay got you got you that's yeah. how, okay. Oh, we lying? <laughs> we lying immediately? That's what we doing? Oh, oh just your path. Understood. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Thank you again. The serial killer? Cool. So, yeah, <laughs> this is where, for the rest of the movie, um, it's it's kind of turned into a horror movie, like, with Bishop as, like, Michael Myers. The way he shows up in different places, um, like, Yo, in the school real. scene, you know, because now Key was like, well, I got to avoid him. Like, I'm not going to turn him in because he's my friend, but... I'm also and also because I'm scared of him. No, um, and also because we robbed the store. Oh, that too. Yeah. You know, you're implicating yourself in another crime. Yeah, yeah. And you're um, a witness. You're a key witness. I think you're an accessory after the fact to, for the murder. Yes, exactly. For both the yeah, murders. You're, you're right with that. So. Or you're also considered um, one of the killers when you're just around when you're doing a criminal act. Like yeah. Um, yeah, one dude pulls the trigger, but you're all in the event of doing bad shit. Exactly. And 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 no one acted to stop it, or there's mm-hmm. no proof that anyone acted to stop it. So yeah. um there's a there's a funeral for Rahim, um, which is uh and then obviously the boys are all there. Uh her, his sister shows up, she connects with Q for a second, then Bishop basically like swoops in. I, yeah, swoops in and he's like, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to, you know, da-da-da. Rahim was like my brother, you know, um, whatever. And he give, he hugs her and he hugs like, no, he hugs the, the maid. No, that's his mom. That's Rahim's mom. That's his mom? That's his oh, mom. Oh, she was dressed in like a... She's dressed in, in a like maid-looking outfit, but yeah. she's working, you know? Yeah, because, I got you. you know, her kid just died and people work through tragedy and loss in different ways. 
and some people work their ass to death. I remember when my pops passed away. Um, I'm, I'm six years old, and the second bedroom in my apartment, my mom, like, swooped and cleaned that whole shit out by herself. Mm. You know, I'm six years old. What the fuck am I going to do? But my mom, no one else was here. <laughs> she just, like, took bikes, old computers, my dad's beatbox. Like, everything was just out. Mm. She yeah. was crazy. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's, so that's in my bad. My apologies to, to Miss Rahim's mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he gives her a hug, and then he looks at – he gives Q the uh, I got you now. It's so look, cold. You know. That is the yeah, coldest um, shit ever, man. You you oh you killed the boy and you hugged his mother, hugging his mom and his sister like like you don't know what you did. Like that is um, some mafia shit. Absolutely, <laughs> that is some real mafia shit. One hundred percent. So, yes, Bishop is crazy. Um, shows up at which he owns. Uh, he owns up to. We have a great scene. Probably, probably one of the most iconic scenes from the movie, if not the, when he confronts Q in the, in the school hallway, mm-hmm. um, you know, and this is where we get a sense that not only is he potentially sociopathic, he's also a complete nihilist. He's like, I don't yeah. care about you. I don't care about seal. And I don't care about myself. So if I don't care about myself, like basically he tells them, I'll kill you. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't even care about it. Yeah. And I think also it's one of the, most iconic scenes you might think i'm wildin'. i don't i haven't seen as much cinema as you have you know from like the 40s to the 50s 60s 70s 80s whatever the fuck you be doing because i don't know how many movies you see as a film major but i think that is one of the most beautiful displays of crazy motherfucker in a movie period yeah yeah no i i think that's definitely valid to say Tupac is super committed to this, and uh, it's it's nice to see um, that his work paid off. Uh, and you know, uh, in the second portion of this, we'll talk more about some of the stuff I read regarding like his process and whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, and what's crazy definitely- though, real quick, I remember seeing the DVD to this movie at my old babysitter's house, and in the, even every single poster of Jews, it's Tupac in the front. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. Yeah. That's all. Not because he's the rap, the rap star. This yeah. came. The movie came out when, like, right when Two Now came out. When, and the big rappers at the time are Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, who are featured, you know, sonically in the movie. Yeah. But Tupac's in the front of the movie for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's the he's the character that people remember the movie for mm-hmm. mostly because he, he's the villain, and you know, um, yeah, it's like Joker in Dark Knight. You know, we remember the exactly. Joker. Don't give a fuck exactly. about Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to me. So at this point, he was like, yeah, he's totally dangerous. Got to stay away from him. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because um, stalking um, Bishop him. becomes more and more paranoid. And he, yeah, he's a stalker. Uh, he, I think I'm, we can like, we can kind of cliff notes the rest of this because like he, at some point he rolls up on, um, on steel, on steel. And he shoots him, and you think Steel dies. Yeah, and he bodies Rodimez and says the famous line, Riverside, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Shoots Rodimez right in the, in the, in the back, and then two more times um, triple taps him. And right after that scene, um, we get Q going into some underground lair to get a, a side piece 
for protection, mm-hmm, um, which he, yeah, he later throws away because he's like, that's not me. Um, but yeah. now juice, is, I mean, not juice. I knew that was going to happen at least once. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. Bishop is going around and telling people that Q is the one who killed the store owner who killed Rahim and who killed and that he killed steel, even though steel survives the shot. Yeah. Um, and he tells Sam Jackson this first and Sam Jackson starts telling people around the pool hall. So when Q um, runs to the pool hall, he's like, you know, he's looking for his friend. He sees him being carried out on a gurney. Mm-hmm. The cops go chasing after him. He manages to lose them. Mm-hmm. He tosses his gun and then he, um, how does he get, Oh, he tells Sam Jackson to deliver a message to Bishop and says, like, you know, tell him to meet me on 125th by the Hudson. Um, Yeah. I actually recognize this area. That's right right by where Columbia is now, where they built that new. Oh, um, for real? That's where it's at? Yeah. yeah. And where Dinosaur BBQ is. Gentrification. (laughs) Um, Bishop pulls up on him with the gun to the back of his head. They have a little bit of a of a tete a tete with words, you know, and it's like, Bishop, man, come on, it's me, man. I'm I'm your boy. You really gonna shoot me? And um, he's kind of like, yeah, like I I will. Um, and then they get into a fist. <laughs> they get into a fist fight. Um, and then it's a chase, which is a pretty cool chase scene, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. Um, and when he, you know, he manages to clip Q in the arm. Q gets into some, he runs into some building and gets into an, a crowded elevator. But then right before it closes, Bishop yeah. comes in and he's like, what are you going to do, bro? Shoot the me in the tension. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff you see in movies today that works. It's almost like it, it made me think of, um, I mean, the best elevator scene I can think of is out of Captain America. I just saw that. Soldier, where he bodies all them dudes. Yep. Um, before we get started, anyone want to get off? But uh, Bishop is not polite enough to ask that. He just starts spraying. I don't know. I mean, it's a revolver, so it's like you have six shots. How many bullets does this nigga have? I did not see him buy a pack of bullets. (laughs) You don't see him reload. He's just letting it off. Like, he got bullets forever. I mean, maybe he had some in his pocket, but I I was counting, and I was like, he was at five before they even got to the building. So, you know, but he manages to get the gun away from him. Then they go onto the rooftop. They have a final scuffle that's pretty effective mm-hmm. um, b- before um, Q kind of pushes him over the edge of the building. I mean, he's holding his hand and he's like, don't let go, don't let go. And then he just slips out and falls to his death. Q turns around to go back into the building and everyone's waiting to, to you know, they see what happens. what happens. And some kid goes, yo, Q, you got the juice now. Like you got the juice for real now or whatever he says. Um, and then it's a freeze frame on Q's face and the movie ends. Um, yeah. So that that's the plot of Juice. Um, we'll take a, a little break and come back with our, our many thoughts because there's a lot to, to dissect. We're back, We're baby. Back. So Juice. 1992, directed by Ernest R. Dickerson, written by Ernest R. Dickerson and Gerard Brown, with cinematography by Larry Banks. Um, Jude, what were your final sort of thoughts or your updated thoughts after not having seen Juice in a few years? My updated thoughts is it's a solid movie to watch. It's it's fun, Mm -hmm. even though how heavy it is. It's a fun movie to watch. You know, you get to see Tupac do his thing. And kind of just display his talent as an actor. 
You get to see a young mm-hmm. Omar Epps learning how to be a good actor because he is 17 at the time. And then he moves on to do things like Love and Basketball, Into Deep, you know, other films like that, except for the one that just came mm-hmm. out with Nia Long that you were speaking about. Um, it's an interesting story about friend. It's like a black version of The Outsiders to me. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. You know, it's just about, you know, boyhood in certain areas. And in The Outsiders, it's just as violent, just as crazy. You know, I can see a lot of parallels between those movies and those stories because it's kind of universal. You know, you have a set of friends and you kind of all go in different paths. Yeah. You know, what happens in between those or what makes you guys separate like that and then um you know it kind of shows off like a lot of future talent that we you know love you know like queen latifah samuel jackson even though samuel Mm -hmm. jackson was obviously doing a lot of work you know at the time of the 90s and it's also a display of um the renaissance of black film and black art in the 90s which i think is what a lot of people really love about the 1990s is you saw a lot of black stories being told and in the same niche group of actors that told those stories. Yeah. You know, so it was a really interesting time to be alive and to be an entertainer. And it was great. I think it was just yeah. a display of, you know, the renaissance of entertainment in the black community at that time. Yeah. Well said. I think um, your point about, uh, the Outsiders is great. I read that book um, in middle school and I actually should reread it because there's stuff that sticks with me. I mean, you know, stay golden, um, mm-hmm. obviously uh, the catchphrase from it, but remembering all the plot details would be difficult. But yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, that's that, that fits. And I don't know if that was part of their intention. Um, but like you said, everything was kind of being informed by, you know, it was a time of intense collaboration and cross influence between filmmakers yeah. and, and actors. Um, Something that I really, you know, yeah, the music made juice also. Exactly. It was based around the music, just like New Jack City was. Something that I really respected that Khalil Kane said in the, in this interview they did stay in the Mm -hmm. scene. Um, He says, you know, uh, there are a million black stories. All of them should be told. And this is one of them. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of black fairy tales being told right now. What did he mean by that though? Like what fairy tales was he talking about? I think he, so I think what they were talking about is um, because Hopkins makes a point about the authenticity of the movie and how people who um, I think it had to do with like trying to make a movie about black life without um, really knowing all of the intricacies and just like trying Mm -hmm. to, to hit the bullet, hit the bullet points of like the stuff you've seen in news and whatever, as opposed to having someone really come in and, and, um, and create something that is, that is authentic and meaningful. Um, and maybe like when, you know, as far as black fairy tales, maybe that was, you know, 27 year old Khalil Kane taking shots at stuff like, I don't know, the only, like coming to America or stuff where it's like, mm. I mean, maybe he's talking about stuff that has a happy ending, you know, yeah. and how like there weren't, there hadn't been a lot of happy endings in actual um, black life at the time know, during the crack time. and the Reagan yeah. era. All right. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's probably what he uh, a little bit of what he meant. Um, okay. But I mean, as far as my thoughts on the movie, I, I really like it. Um, I think that there were some decisions that we'll get into now uh, that compromised it a little bit. Um, you think it com- yeah, but, it did compromise it. But I think that 
it's got a really strong core cast. I think that the story pretty much works and like it moves at a nice pace um, so that, you know, there's not too, in fact, it could even stand to be a little longer. And this is where like, if I were to offer one um, criticism is that I feel that we don't actually spend enough time with Bishop. We don't get to see him too much. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we see like how, how Rodimez bothers him, gets under his skin. We get two scenes with Rodimez who gets super yeah. close to, to Bishop, like right up in his face every yeah. time. Um, but, stick a knife in his nose. You don't stick a knife in yeah. his nose. Like, come on. Um, but I feel like, especially given the implication with what happened to his father, his father's trauma, and how that informs Bishop and the insecurity and, and paranoia he has, yeah. I feel like we don't spend really enough time with that. To mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not, Tupac's performance, thankfully, isn't very one note because he does get to like, especially in that funeral scene and the interrogation scene, he does get to be the more like charismatic, like yeah, you joking know, around, like scaring the white dude when they were walking exactly. down the streets. Yeah, he doesn't just he doesn't just have to be angry all the time, and that's why I think it's it's good that uh, it's interesting. Last time when we talked about New Jack City, um, obviously one of the pieces of trivia there was that um, was that Tupac had been considered to play. G money, G money, way too young. Yeah. yeah, totally, way too young. Definitely, and I think, um, but it, but it's interesting because in that stay in the scene interview, Tupac goes, "Nino ain't got nothing on me." Uh, he don't. <laughs> <to> <laughs> I'm more scared of um, Bishop than Nino. Yeah, I think that's valid. Nino I mean, Nino is he, driven by money. You can yeah. take his money and you, you can do whatever he do whatever you know you want with him. But mm-hmm. Bishop didn't get fucked by anything. No, he was totally, yeah, like I said, like we said, totally nihilistic. And, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't, he didn't even have any sort of code. You know, it seemed like Nino, you could at least, he was like, he, cause he's a, he's a businessman. I mean, Nino probably over the course of his career killed more people indirectly than Bishop did in that one week or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but still, yeah, I, I think that it's an but interesting, that's and that's why business. I say, I, yeah. I think that the you know, he the, could have been uh, like a CEO laying off a bunch of workers. The cost of doing business. True. I need cheaper. I need cheaper labor. You yeah. know, these things got to get capitalism. bodied. I got some. I crack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I think that that's why I, I was saying you can see the influence of New Jack City not just on the movie itself, but also like. If like if young Bishop grew up in an alternate world where like New Jack City was a movie mm-hmm. and like like I you could see him being like I, it, the same way he watched White Heat and was like, I want to be that guy. You could see him idolizing Nino Brown, but just taking totally. I mean, yeah, there's no right way to take it, but, but like taking it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first thing we can get into that you were about to mention earlier is that alternate ending. Yeah, um, that the original ending, not even alternate, but the original ending. That Why they were forced to that? change. Well, I, we can talk about that, but um, do you do you want to tell the audience what the original ending? Yeah. Was? So, so the original ending was, you know, still stays the same. Bishop still dies. You know, he falls off the roof, but Q has him. Q has a grip on him, and and um, Bishop has a grip on Q. You know, so mm-hmm. he could have, you know, came off. You know, it's just like in Titanic, there was room on that door, <laughs> but. In the background, you hear the police sirens come, and then um, Bishop's face kind of goes blank, and he remembers, you know, his father's trauma in jail, and he's like, "Yo, I ain't going to jail." 
I'm not mm-hmm. going to jail. And then he lets go and dies. Yeah. Instead of just slipping off and, yeah, you know, kind of the demon dying. Whereas right. you kind of go back to the scared kid who doesn't want to end up like his father and doesn't want to experience that trauma and would rather die than experience what his father experienced. Because when we meet his father, his father is just there with his eyes Catatonic, open, watching, yeah. watching TV, not moving, not anything. Looks like he's dead. Yeah. You know, looks like a vegetable. And Bishop didn't want to end up like that. Yeah. So, yeah, this this ending, um, it, it reminded me of how Jordan Peele's original ending for Get Out involved the cops actually showing up and not mm-hmm. Rod, the TSA agent. And so then... Um, uh, Chris in that movie gets arrested and he's like, he spends, you know, probably the rest of his life in jail for murdering a bunch of white people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought I, I man, cause even, even before I knew about that, I watched the movie and when he falls, I'm like, that's a little weak. That's a little weird. It's like, it's like an accident. There's not even, it's not even like a decision that either one of them makes to die or kill the other. It's just like, oops, I couldn't hold on to him long enough. Yeah. And it doesn't have as much power as so. So the fact that when I found out that was a, that was a change they made, I was like, OK, because then if if Bishop chooses his own death, first of all, it, it absolves Q of like it makes it less his fault that Bishop but died. It's not even his fault that Bishop died, though, in the first right. place. Right. But I think it's like the way that the movie framed it in that sense is that like Q. Q could have saved him if he'd held on in a way, but also like, it's interesting because Tupac's last line is don't let me fall. And then like symbolically, he kind of already has fallen, right? Like the rise yeah. and fall we talked about in you know, the fall from in grace. Back city. Yeah. He's, he's fallen. His soul, his spirit have fallen. So he's, he's already kind of dead in, in, in a way too. But I think that it, it would have just been, it would have tied the movie together, especially bringing back that theme with his father to the end. And apparently they changed it because, um, uh, test audiences didn't like that ending. And also because Paramount executives were like, they thought that it gave, I think, I think I read, they thought it gave um, Bishop too much power in the end, which, but, but then that was like exactly the point. I mean, the way that Dickerson um, describes it or explains it is like, we, we wanted him to be able to go out on his own terms. That was like the whole point. Yeah. Um, he, he had already taken the action to ruin his life. Uh-huh. So, he may as well end it himself too. And then it's like, cause yeah, when they drop him and then you just get that phony scream, which apparently was on purpose. Like Tupac was like, do I have to, so I have to scream, right? Like, can I just fake it? Or can I just kind of like, you know, um, only, only do like half of it or whatever. <laughs> and Dickerson was like, yeah. So that was their way of protesting. Like the, what they thought was um, a less fulfilling moment was Tupac being like, ah, as he falls down. Um, Tupac's a dick. Yeah. But I, mad funny. Yeah, I think I think that that would have been stronger. I think that like exactly what you said um, um, and what we've said, it, it would have made more of a statement. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, you know, the movie is still good. I just think that like that, that part of it is kind of why I was like, if I guess if they were to remake the movie, which is, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but that would be one thing. I mean, like I would want the original director to, to be involved uh, would, um, if it was going to, happen. 
Do you think he regrets that decision? Regrets changing it for the studio? Yeah. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Cause I think, I think, um, in that brief little snippet you sent me about the, the that like one minute and a half video, yeah, I think that's kind of his his implication is like I wish we could have kept the original ending. It just would have been more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about in the in some of the brief discussion I've seen, people talk about how um, uh, uh, Pop Smoke, rest in peace, might have been if they if they did redo this, could have been the Bishop character. Could have been. Yeah, certainly young enough, even though Pop Smoke, I, I swore Pop Smoke was like 30. And then I found out he was only like well before he died. I found out he was 21, 22, which is crazy. No, he was 20, period. 20. Yeah, He's that's 20. younger. Than, like the way the way there are celebrities that are younger than, than we are, it, it never ceases to um, amaze, amaze me. You? But, yeah, it's uh, wild. And that would, with that much but, talent and that much kind of creativity with you know what he was doing in the city, it's great. Yeah. Um, some other interesting trivia is that Khalil Kane and Omar Epps were both up for each other's roles. Yeah. Um, so they were constantly working with each other mm-hmm. over what was a four-week audition process. And um, that audition was different than yeah. Either of them, any of them had experience. I'm sorry to step mm-hmm. on your toes, but no, no. I think they all had dinner together. And they kind of had different actors have dinner with each other to mm-hmm. see the camaraderie, to see yeah. the chemistry they all have with each other. And those four, you know, looked like they've been boys ever since second grade, just like they said in the movie. They right. looked like they've been best friends their entire lives. Yeah. You definitely buy their friendship. And 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 mm-hmm. it's really sad. Like, even if you haven't known individual characters that long, when Raheem dies, it's like, whoa, because, you know... I mean, you just got, you get the sense that like, there's no, re- it's, it's senseless. It definitely is senseless violence. Um, and uh, Tupac had a lot to say in the stay in the scene interview regarding like um, uh, activism and stuff. He basically like, and calling out the industry. Cause uh, one of the questions was, how do you feel about like the, the, the violence, the portrayal of violence and the criticism you get for that? He essentially was like, um, well, people put out a movie. Steven Seagal puts out a movie where he's, you know, he's running through dudes. He's kicking everybody's behind and nobody comes after him and says, oh, you're portraying violence negatively. It's only when black people do it as a problem. Uh, he said, yeah. quote, like, they don't want us to make no dough. They want us to stay low, even in the business. People want you to play a real character, but they don't want you to be a real person, which I thought yeah. was interesting. Um, one thing I will say regarding Tupac is that he what I read is he did a thing which I feel like is kind of obnoxious. Um when actors do this and when any actor does it, uh, which is that he wanted, he demanded people keep calling him Bishop, like on the set, like whenever he was on set, they wanted people to call him Bishop and not Tupac, which because it Mm. was supposed to help him stay in character. And I feel like stuff like that. It's a, yeah, but I think also it's one of those, I think it's, um, I think it's something that especially newer actors do because they think it's a method thing and they think it's the way to, be the character and it winds up being kind of unhealthy especially depending on the character you play because you do need to be able to separate yourself from the character at least a little bit like Tupac's actual experience may have been similar to Bishop's but you have to realize that like there are there is a line here and yeah you're not um, Bishop you're not a sociopath and then in the in the behind the scenes stuff they were saying how Pac would see a woman 
with a kid and just go up to them and embrace them and hug them, give them some money, and then be gone. Mm. Or there'll be fucking shootouts at the on set. Or yeah, we get so, yeah. I don't I don't know what happened. It's obviously way before East Coast versus West Coast thing, but right. But yeah, I don't know what it's, was it's interesting also to chart. Time, I mean, it, it, he was he was about his thug life, about his activism, about his about who he was, you know, as a human being. But he was never like some thugged out. He gave off that image, but he's Killer. not out here like Bishop. He yeah. wasn't out here like Nino Brown. He wasn't out here like Scarface. He was not wilding like that. He had, you know, another side to him that cared about other people. But I think just he yeah. kind of got a little ego boost up or those traumatic events happened to him, like being beat up by the cops. And got caught up in that Death death Row Records atmosphere. Yo, and I love the music of Death Row. I love it, like Suge Knight crazy. Yeah, Suge Knight is yeah absolutely um, not not the best boss. Um, I uh, yeah, so that that was concerning to read about. Like I can imagine that might have been a little frustrating for some of the actors. But I also one of the things I said was that uh, Ernest, as a director, was very patient. He was very calm, yeah. and he took time to make sure that all four of them were like always like like ready to go like and they were always like i guess he did his best to make sure their mental health was good and that they felt comfortable acting which is great um yeah um as a fun fact well two final fun facts one is that um omar epps's character in love and basketball is also named quincy so connected universe same character who knows um but the cool thing about ernest dickerson is that Prior to him directing, he worked uh, as a cinematographer most closely with Spike Lee, including on a movie okay, that will right be our now. next. Like the right thing. Yeah, our next uh, review, uh, Jungle Fever. Um, oh, Ernest Dickerson was director of photography on that, so I'm looking forward to. Max. Yeah, that was his last collaboration with Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool. yeah, next time we'll be looking at uh, Jungle Fever. Um, as for now, I think that concludes our thoughts on juice. Great movie. I think we both recommend it. Um, and it's a little sullen. So of course, to end on a positive note, as always, we'll get into our songs of the week. Um, I I know what mine are. It's only, it's only two this week. Um, Really? You only have two? Yeah. I, you know, I was like, playlist is getting pretty long. Let me, (laughs) let me not force it if I don't know it already. Um, but they're two pretty good ones. Uh, once again, I'm I'm a Lucky Day stan. So uh, mm-hmm. he released his deluxe album a couple months ago. If I have already mentioned it on an episode, get over it. I'm mentioning it again. A song he put out with Victoria Monet called Little More Time. I was listening to it yesterday while I was jogging around um, the track at Riverbank. It's a great, great running song. It's a great driving song. Great vibes. And then also making my way through some of Jill Scott's work so um Scott. went back to her mm-hmm. first album <laughs> mm, your boys. the audience can't see it but jude's eyebrows just leapt five feet on his forehead um uh slowly surely by jill scott from who is jill scott her debut album um which is a a classic r&b record of course those are my two wrecks for the week all right i'll get only give you two as well uh caruso by lucho dalla 
and You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from the Tarzan soundtrack. Listen, the Tarzan soundtrack is fire. I feel like people the rag Tarzan on it for some reason. The soundtrack of all time. <laughs> the Tarzan soundtrack is fire. And You'll Be In My Heart is a perfect example. Son of Man is great. Son of Man uh, is my theme song. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... I'm surprised you next week, next week hit me with the Tarzan AKA. I'm looking forward to it. Or next oh, not next week, but next episode. Man. It'll work because of jungle fever. Yo, Tarzan's best in the movie of all time. I don't care. Tarzan Fuck is Lion great. King. It doesn't get the love it deserves. <laughs> yeah. Lion King is not. well, you know what? On I'm a I'm a save heat for Lion King for another episode. We're messy, aren't we, Justin? <laughs> we always have to end on a messy note. Um, that'll be a wrap for us today, beloveds. If you want more Uptown Love, you can find our episodes new and old on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. As always, thank you for kicking it with us. Tune in next time when we talk Jungle Fever. After that, we'll be taking a much-needed season break and planning some of our next episodes. We're excited to keep the show going, and we thank you guys for being on the journey with us. Stay safe. Stay dangerous. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. And Twitter. And Twitter. Mom, I love you. Blessings and excellence. Peace.